Like a lamb to the slaughter You led me to this place You took away everything I brought here You left me to my fate Saw the eyes of a stranger Saw the glint of a blade We present the third episode of Cutting Edge three-part serial by John Harvey, with Tom Georgeson as Nottingham-based, jazz-loving, Detective Inspector Charlie Resnick. You're all dying, Charlie. Dead or dying. In previous episodes, a doctor and a nurse have been viciously attacked and injured by a scalpel-wielding assailant. Now it looks like a hospital sister has fallen foul of the blade. Found her in the stairwell over by the edge of the car park. Whoever had dragged her there had done it presumably with some idea of hiding the body, but they'd done a pretty poor job. Rattled, most likely. Security guard came across her a little after first light, thought he recognised her. Well, the state she was in, it's a wonder. A mess, he said. Butchery, isn't it? Getting a taste for it, sounds like. Well, either that or more terrified every time. All three, then. Fletcher, Doherty, and now this. We're putting them down to the same person. Whatever we thought before, Graham. After this, I don't see as we've got much choice. Dad! Dad! Here, steady. Steady, 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 steady. Steady. It's those dreams again, isn't it? Same as before. Same as always. Easy. Easy, Calvin. It's okay. It's not bloody okay. I'll be all right. Give me my pills. Bastards! I'm sorry, son. <laughs> You're sorry? You're not the one. It's not you should be sorry. We've all been sorry enough! Helen Minton, 41 years of age, unmarried, lived in West Bridgeford, Masonette off Melton Road. For the past 11 years, she was employed at the Royal Hospital, latterly in the post of theatre sister. When scene of crime get through processing the photographic evidence, you'll be able to see for yourselves the extent of her injuries, though I doubt you'll want to linger. Right. The most savage strokes seem to be those to the centre of the face, the mouth, as if whoever was attacking her had been trying to silence her. Stop her screaming. Is there any doubt, sir, about the kind of weapon? A thin blade. Razor sharp. All signs that, as with Fletcher and Doherty, a scalpel was used. So we're back to looking for a connection, aside from the fact they all worked in the same hospital. The nearest we've come up with so far, half a dozen or so of the patients Fletcher was attending to were in the ward where Doherty worked. And they were Fletcher's patients because he was a member of that consultant's team, Bernard Salt. It's likely he would have worked with this Helen Minton as well, then. Salt, I mean. And she was, what, theatre sister? Yeah. I don't know how many operating theatres there are, but not that many, I shouldn't have thought. So it stands to reason they'd have worked together, some of the time at least. Yeah, right, Dipak. Okay, you follow that up. 
Meantime, Kevin, get yourself out back to hospital security. Not 24 hours of boring It came here to paying off with Tim Fletcher, remember? And they're bound to have at least one of their cameras trained on the car park. Now, if it gives us nothing more than which vehicles were still parked at that time of night, it's a start. Right, sir. Too early for anything yet from forensic, Graham. Not notable early rises. Ah, well, let's lean on them a little. Even if the attacker was wearing gloves, there was enough blood spilling around for something to have been snagged. Body hair, fabric. If we're lucky, we'll maybe get another shoe print. One of the mill trainer had not mind betting about his anonymous as before. Well, you think positive, Graham. If it matches the print left on the bridge, it's not anonymous anymore. Right. Right, I'm due a session with the press officer. See if we can't come up with a statement that keeps panic to a minimum. Do wonders for the cues in casualty. <laughs> After that, I'll be out in the hospital. Now, aside from anything else, I'd like to talk to Doherty. Now there's a chance. How are you feeling? Oh, better for that. I've got some breakfast going. <laughs> I thought you could smell burning. We haven't all got your culinary skills. I'm not sure how beans on toast comes to be called culinary. What are your wizardry with the English language? I was only teasing. But we do our best. You're a good boy. No matter what anyone says, no matter what I say sometimes. You're a good boy, Calvin. Yeah, well, don't know about that. What do you call that row? He calls it the illusion of confusion. Aye, well, he's right. How come you never like my music? Music? See? He sits better on all that crap you listen to. Reddles your poor old brain. Not so much harping on about the old. I feel old enough as it is. You didn't have to do that. It's okay. Didn't like that track. You going to visit your mother on Sunday? Always do, don't I? Unless she phones and says she's sorry, but it's not convenient. Well, I want you to take something for me. Yeah? A letter. I'm writing her a letter. You're always writing her letters. I don't know why you bother. She never reads them. How do you know? Writes back to you, does she? No. Phones? No, but what's that? Uh, When are you going to learn? Learn what? She's gone. Her and my stuck-up bitch of a sister, they're gone. You and me, that's all there is. contacted Helen Minton's relatives. Married sister living in Grimsby. She's going to inform the mother, who's in a nursing home in somewhere. Cleethorpes, I think it is. Then the sister's coming down by train. She didn't give you anything useful, I suppose? Mm, Not really. Didn't want to press too hard. Not just after she'd heard. Thought I'd talk to her after she'd identified the body. Ah, I doubt she'll want to say much then, either. Try giving her some time. Of course. Karen Adams, by the way, did we check with the parents? I mean, is she actually there? Safe and sound. Yeah. Which means your friend Carew's off the hook. Yeah, I almost bumped into him in town yesterday, getting into this snazzy little sports job, smug grin on his face in a sweatshirt with medics have bigger balls right across the front. Steer clear. I know. How are things with Kevin and Debbie? Still problems? I expect so. Haven't heard. Kev's decided to keep himself to himself where I'm concerned. I 
keep meaning to take him on one side, talk to him, but I'm not sure if it would help. Well, I mean, somehow I've not found the time. Here we are. Next left, up ahead. I'll have a word with Doherty first. Maybe you could contact Dipak, see if he needs a hand. Absolutely tip-top at her job. Ask anyone who had the good fortune to work with her. Old school, of course, not like some of the flippity-gibbets you might be unlucky to find nowadays. No, Helen Minton, absolutely first class. You work with her often, then? Oh, no more than anyone else, I don't suppose. Pretty much luck of the draw, that kind of thing. <laughs> Nursing rotors, a mystery to me and every other rational man, I'm afraid. And socially? Socially. Did you uh, meet much outside? Uh, work? A drink, perhaps? Relax at the end of the day? Young man. Sir? I don't know how these things work in the current incarnation of the constabulary, but in my world you will find that socially one mixes with one's peers. And I doubt that poor Sister Minton, God rest her soul, would have been comfortable as a member of my golf club. Though it may interest you to know that both your chief constable and your assistant chief most certainly are. And now, excuse me, I have a tasty little cholecystectomy to perform. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sir, I ended up calling him bloody sir and thanking him, as though he'd been doing me a favour, instead of patronising me like the pompous prat he is. Salt that still finds losing the colonies difficult to swallow. Don't worry, Dipper. He probably doesn't think much of women either. Well, Helen Minton was absolutely tip-top and absolutely first class. Yes, but that was when she was in uniform and doing her job. Don't suppose for a minute he was thinking of her as a woman at all. She was just part of his efficient little team, ready to slap a scalpel into his hand the minute he yelled scalpel. Hmm. Is that what she did? I mean, was that actually part of her job? I don't know. It's one of the things I've got to find out. Oh, listen, um, Salt's secretary, uh, Delia Porter. Trying to get anything out of her was like chipping ice off the inside of a freezer. Even with your well-known boyish charms? <laughs> yes, even with that. You couldn't have a go at her, could you? Woman to woman, you mean? That's the thing. I'll try. Hey, Carl. How are you feeling? Better than some, apparently. I just heard about Helen. Yeah. You know what? Not well. I mean, I knew who she was. Been here a long time, pretty much a fixture. What she liked? <laughs> I never thought about her in those terms, I suppose. Like, dislike, nothing that personal. Efficient, prompt, skilled. I only ever saw her in terms of the job. She didn't have much of a private life, then. If she did, she kept it pretty much to herself. <laughs> Unlike some of us, I fear. How much do you remember? Very little, thank God. Though I know that doesn't help you. But something. Whoever it was, he came from behind. The lavatories, the stalls. I remember this click, like the bolt on the door slipping back. And you saw? An arm. Black glove, I think it was black. Black sweater, maybe jeans. Colour. Black again. Shoes? Trainers. White, that's some kind of blue flash. Old, though, not new. You didn't see the face? No. But you would have got some impression of, say, size. Around my height, five, nine, ten. Strong, obviously. Once he got hold of me, there wasn't any chance I was going to get away. 
You think it was the same person as killed Helen Minton? Well, I think it's a very real possibility, don't you? Well, thanks for your help, Cal. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes? Sarah, isn't it? I was wondering if I could give you a lift. I don't think I know you. Oh, Ian. Ian Carew. Second year med. Student. I've been on your ward a few times, observing, you know. Uh, I think that doctor that was attacked was there. Um, Fletcher, isn't that his name? Tim? Tim, yes. Look, I'm sorry, I don't remember you, and thank you. Uh, I'd prefer to walk. Even with some loony running around slicing people into little pieces? Do you think I'd be safer with you? Is it all right if I sit here? Of course. Canteens. Doesn't seem to matter where you are, they're always pretty much the same. Yes, I suppose so. Lynn Kellogg, CID. CID? Oh, yes, of course. You're here because of all these appalling things that have been happening. Poor Helen Minton. I'm Delia Porter, secretary to Mr Salt. He's one of the senior consultants. Yes, I know. You knew Helen Minton well? Not really, no. Being Mr Salt's secretary, I'd have thought you would. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I don't know why, but I got the impression they were quite close. Oh, no, not at all. Mr Salt and Helen, it was an entirely proper relationship. But it was a relationship. I'm sorry, but I have to get back. Miss Porter, goodbye. CID, Detective Sergeant Millington. I want to speak to Inspector Resnick. Oh, he's not here at the moment. If you'd like to leave a message... I'll leave a message. You can ask the inspector what exactly gives him the right to interrogate my staff. And you are, sir? Salt. Bernard Salt. A grand... Bernard Salt. And Inspector Resnick's been questioning your staff, has he, sir? Not the inspector himself, Sergeant. His minions. Minions, right. Quizzing me and then my secretary about things that are no concern of the police or of any ongoing investigation. And what things might these be, sir? Questions about my relationship with Helen Minton. You're saying there was a relationship, sir? Don't play fast and loose with me, Sergeant. No, sir. You can tell Inspector Resnick that if he has any further questions he wishes to ask which relate to me directly, I should be obliged if he would have the courtesy to address them to me in person. I'll be sure to tell him that the minute he returns. Me being one of his minions, as it were. Thank you, Sergeant. Feathers ruffled, Graham. Sounds as if some of ours failed to observe the proper protocol. Only wants to talk to you in future. Direct, what's it called? Uh, an audience of his peers. Steady on, lads. It's not a raid, at least I hope not. Security cameras. They didn't pick up any part of the attack, just like we thought. But I just now got through checking all the registrations. Vehicles parked during the time of the murder. Go on, lad. Austin Healy, Sports, 1964. Registered to one Ian John Carew. I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. Excuse me.
Excuse me, sir. What? Yes? In Karoo. What? Oh, Jesus Christ, this is... This is ridiculous! I wonder if you wouldn't mind switching off the engine and stepping out of the vehicle. Yes, I would mind. I would very much mind. I've enough there. of you. You've got no bloody right! Why not get out of the vehicle quietly? Much the best all the way around. Now, sir, if you wouldn't mind blowing into this bag. Not so much over the limit, Carew, more into the stratosphere. And the car? Dip back, drove it in, barked it out back. When he was figuring out the controls, he moved this stuff on the floor with his foot. Regular tip. Textbook, sports socks, jock strap. Is there a point to this, Graham? You could say that. Never a scalpel. Scalpel older. Dip back didn't touch it, did he? Lad's not stupid. Screwing the forensics aside, that lawyer of his would get it thrown out for illegal search. Well, then, let's make it legal. Right. And speaking of lawyers... Oh, no, she's not here now, is she? Suzanne Owls, yes. Glad rags, too. Not a bad-looking woman once she's left her shoulder pads behind and got herself in a frock. Oh, sure. Right. Ms Owls. Inspector, this constant harassment of my client is I'm absolutely I'm only sorry unnecessary. you felt it necessary to leave whatever function you Inspector, were tracing. Inspector, my client has been forcibly removed from his own vehicle, dragged in here against his will, and now apparently has been left languishing in one of your cells while your officers go home laughing for a good night's sleep. Ms Olds, the truth is your client was found in charge of a vehicle with alcohol in his bloodstream at almost three times the legal limit. <laughs> And as to being dragged into the station, if your client received a little help from my officers, it was to stop him falling flat on his face. Kevin. Kevin. All right. that the police are now convinced the series of vicious attacks culminating in the murder of theatre sister Helen Minton are the work of the same assailant have thrown hospitals into a panic. Leave these eggs much longer than like rubber! And hospital Come management in. have made demands for extra security. Detective Inspector Resnick, in charge of the investigation, would not confirm rumours this morning that the police have a suspect in custody. What'd you do that for? What's the lesson of that stuff? Me, for one. That place... Last place you'd give a toss about, I'd have thought. Here. Eat these. Like rubber. She's gone down now at last. Uh, Maybe we can get a little sleep. Uh, Kevin, you're not going out. Work? It's Sunday. Tell that to the murder inquiry. Oh, one chance of a lay-in. You lay there. Count the overtime. What should I tell Mum? About what? Me doing double time? Could be expecting me to buy that new settee she's always on about. I told her we'd take the baby round for lunch. Oh, well, you take her. She'll love it, watching your mum's Yorkshire's capsizing the gravy. It's all a joke to you, isn't it? Look, I've got to go. See you later. I'll be late, most likely. Kevin! Oh, 
Miss Holtz. Inspector, my client is sitting in that freezing cold cell dressed only in a pair of shorts. Oh, that would be on account of him throwing up over his clothes in the night. A skimpy pair of old shorts. I believe he was offered a blanket and refused. You could check with the custody sergeant. In places like Northern Ireland, it gets called sensory deprivation. Really? Oh, well, here we just call it sitting around in shorts. Interview room A in ten minutes. I trust you'll be there. Now, I just want to be clear about this. The night that Ellen Minton was killed, you left your car in the car park overnight and didn't collect it till the next morning. Yes. You left it there at... I've told you. 9.30. Quarter to ten. You hadn't been drinking? I'd been studying. I had a headache. I wanted to walk. So last night, when you most certainly had been drinking, you were prepared to drive home whatever the consequences. <sighs> Sergeant, please. Whereas on the previous night, stone cold sober... Sergeant... I had a head like half a pound of old wool. It happens when you study a lot. But you'll have to take my word for that. So you didn't at any time see Ellen Minton? In the car park, no. Where? Oh, I don't know. You saw her that evening? No, it was in the afternoon, towards the end of the afternoon, but I don't see what that's Just got to do with it. Charles, where exactly you saw Helen Minton? Up on the second floor. I'd been to see Mr Salt. Well, his secretary. He'd given this lecture a few weeks before and I wanted to get hold of a copy of his notes. Of course, it was like prizing blood out of a stone. And Helen Minton was where? In the corridor, walking towards me, t- towards the lift. Away from Salt's office? Um, yes, coming from that direction. You didn't actually see her leaving the office? No. And the secretary, she didn't make any comment about Helen Minton having been there? No, look. How long after that was it you saw her again? What do you mean? I never saw her again. Never? Never. You said. Of course I'm bloody certain. I think my client needs a break, a warm meal, a cup of tea. This interview resumed at uh, 2.17. You recognise this? Am I supposed to? What are you supposed to do is answer the question. It's a scalpel holder. Anyone with an atom of sense... This particular one. What? Do you recognise this particular scalpel holder? No. Should I? I mean, how can I? It's a scalpel holder, same as any other. The same? Yes. How can you be so sure? I can't. You know where it was found? Oh, well, it must be crucial evidence. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Those people from the hospital, that's what they were attacked with, right? The last one, the woman, she was killed with one. A scalpel. Oh, so, and, and this is wonderful. Great police logic. Oh, my God, it's no wonder you're all in Mensa. Ian. Carew, scalpel holder, scalpel. He did it. Open and shut, right? Almost. Inspector, oh. I think my client... Wants had... to tell us... How this came to be in his possession. Was it in his possession? It was in his car. I'm surprised there weren't several. Collect them, do you? I see them in the hospital sometimes, laying around, attempting to slip them in a pocket. Never know when they might come in handy. And bleds? Uh, less likely. To see them laying around, I mean. But still, not easy to get hold of. Easy enough. Look, I'm a medical student, right? I'm interested in surgery. Sometimes I practice on the occasional grapefruit, maybe a rabbit from the lab, a frog. I I could carve the Sunday bloody turkey, if you like. Inch perfect. Dissection. Bloody. What? You said bloody. So? So, whose blood is it on the scalpel holder? I don't know. Is there blood? According to the forensic report. I take it you'd have no objection letting us take a sample. For the purpose of elimination. Inspector, you know as well as I, the giving of intimate Uh, samples No, no, of course not. Where do we do it? Not here, I hope. Dead unhygienic. Oh, you can think of to do with yourself. What? Cooking. 
I'm just fixing this pancake batter. Always on this damn kitchen. Calvin. What? What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Because also, I go to the shops, the market. I ride my bike across the city to get something at 50p off. <laughs> I keep this house clean down on my hands and knees. I wash your clothes. I go to the job centre, sign on, collect my pension. Your disability pension. Yes, and I go to the doctor. You shrink. Calvin, what else do you want from me? Nothing. I don't want nothing from you. Tell me about your mother. How was she? The same. And your sister? Same. Damn it, Calvin. What? This is my family as well as yours. Not anymore. Your mother and me, we were together a long time. Don't you quick enough. She had her reasons. Yeah. Did she ask about me? Yeah. What'd she say? She asked if you were still having your attacks. You told her it was better. Much better. <laughs> I told her if she really wanted to know, she'd come back here and find out. Yeah. Oh, come in, Graham. Blood on the scalpel holder matches Carew's. As against Helen Minton's. Oh, Doc, it is. He is in the same group as Tim Fletcher, but I thought we pretty much discounted him for that. We had. Anything more come back on the uh, shoe print? Could have been made by the same trainer as the one in the Fletcher attack, but nothing positive. Certainly nothing that would stand up. <sighs> well, we'll question him again. He's cocky enough, he just might go over the edge, give himself away. You're not buying both of those. This is a bookshop. Even so, Teasdale and Rubenstein. Heavy duty, even for a staff nurse with ambition. Excuse me. Here, let me carry them, at least as far as the tea. No, I can manage, thanks. Look, when you're through here, how about a coffee? I don't think so. A drink, then. Help me celebrate. Celebrate what, exactly? My freedom from the hands of the police. My car had been left parked near where that sister was found dead, uh, Minton. So, naturally, they thought that meant I'd killed her. Well, look, I'm sorry, uh, Ian. It is Ian, isn't it? I've had a tiring day, and I'm sure you won't have any problems finding someone else to celebrate with. OK, bye. Some other time, then. Shall I tell you why you come here, Charlie? <coughs> Polish club? <laughs> hey, it's not the fancy vodka of all those generals preening themselves around the walls. Vanity. That's what it is. You see, you must be the youngest bloke here by a good 20 years. <laughs> Forgetting myself, that is. <laughs> I'll tell you why I come here. There's nobody on the phone telling me they've found another body at the bottom of some car park stairs. I guess anybody cares what I do here. As long as I can do a passable polka on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'm not an inspector in CID. I'm nothing. Not even a husband. Ex-husband. But no, you're not even that. Ex anything means acknowledging what you once were. And we both know you don't like to do that. All right, look, Elaine, I mean... Isn't that true, Ed? You'd know. You and Charlie shacked up together. You'd know if he ever talked about me. Bitterness, regret. But no, the strong and silent routine instead. Not like Ed here, Charlie. You could learn a thing or two from him about conviviality, hospitality. Polite Ed. Almost a gentleman with the ladies. Though often, I suspect, more than a little drunk. 
drunk enough to proposition me once, Charlie. Did I tell you that? Hello, no. But anything's better than silence, even the odd drunken pass. At least it acknowledges that you're there, that you're alive. But of course, you'd rather I wasn't that, wouldn't you, oh, Charlie? Charlie? You know that's not true. Isn't it? You wanted me out of your life, Charlie, as if I'd never existed, as if I didn't exist. Oh, look. And do you know the reason, Ed, for my consignment to oblivion? You probably think it was because Charlie here caught me screwing another man, but it wasn't that. Elaine, this is nobody's business but no, it was, you know. Because, Ed, I didn't want to have babies. For crying out loud. I didn't want to make pretty little babies that would make him tall and proud okay. and call him okay. Dad. Charlie. No, Charlie. don't! Don't pull me, Charlie! Don't touch me! I haven't told Ed yet what a kind, compassionate man you are. All the times you've helped me, Charlie, no matter what I've been going through. All the letters I sent you, what you never answered. All the times I rang up in pain and you hung up without a word. I'm going. Running out again, Charlie. Big, brave policeman, scared of a little bit of truth. A little bit of bloody truth. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. It's Leith. Yeah. The last time we stood in this doorway was when you kicked me out. You didn't have to be kicked. You had the Volvo parked at the curb with the engine running. A mistake, Charlie. Abby. You don't forgive easily, do you? Some things. Let me in, and I'll try to make you forgive me. Earlier tonight, at least. I used to sit here when we were first married, worried sick over what might be happening to you out there in some pub brawl, down some back alley, frightened that you would never come home. Then later, when it had all changed, I used to sit here hoping you wouldn't come back at all. Does that shock you? No. I wished you dead, Charlie. Yeah. So I could escape out of here and live happily ever after. Huh. Well, we all want that. Do you know, at the wedding, I caught him in the upstairs bathroom with one of the bridesmaids, his hand up her skirt. You should have left him then. I just left you. I'd been dying. This house, that bloody room upstairs you kept redecorating as a nursery. <laughs> Funny. Not so long after I'd left you, I got careless, fell pregnant. He wasn't interested, called me a daft cow, a stupid bitch, but you needn't have worried. I had problems with my blood pressure, took on all this fluid. Finally, they got me to hospital just in time. The baby died and they told me I was lucky to be alive. I could have told them better. And no more babies. That's what they said. No more babies. Elaine, I'm sorry. I really am. We clung on longer, longer than we should. Oh, I was a mess, Charlie. In the end, pills and a weekly visit to the therapist weren't enough. They admitted me to hospital and then there were still drugs, but more of them and other kinds of treatment you don't even want to hear about and I don't want to remember. Elaine. Are you okay? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll be fine. But this... You know, this may not be the right time to say this, but... Don't. Whatever you were going to say, whatever promises, by morning you'd regret every word. If the phone's still where it used to be, I'm going to call a taxi. No, no, I'll take you back. You don't want to know where I'm going. <coughs> oh, God. It's OK. She just woke up and wondered where she was. Didn't you, pet? Here, I thought she could snuggle in with us for half an hour. I suggest that you go on as if it's the end of the world. I know. Real pain in the behind sometimes, me. I'm sorry. I'll put the kettle on again. What do you think? Cup of tea? Kevin. What? You win the lottery or something. No, it's just... Just what? When you were up at your mum's with Phoebe Sunday and I was kicking my heels back here, I thought... I thought, suppose she never comes back. Stays there. You and the baby. I wouldn't do that. Sometimes I wouldn't blame you. Oh, Kevin. What? Come here. How about the baby? <laughs> we'll turn her back. <laughs> you didn't mind meeting here? No, of course not. At the hospital, it might have been, well, awkward. And I suppose I really didn't want to come to the police station if it could be avoided. Delia, it's fine. The tea's a lot better here at any rate. You must let me pay. What was it you wanted to talk to me about? The other day, in the hospital, when I... You were asking me about Bernard, Mr Salt, and Helen. I wasn't... I suppose I didn't tell you the truth... There was something between them, Bernard and Helen. There had been for years, although, of course, they'd been very discreet, and I don't think many other people knew about it. Nobody, in fact, except me. Being close? Yes, being close. One reason they would have kept it secret, Bernard was married. Until recently. Mm. And Helen, she thought... I mean, she'd been waiting for years, and years for him to... <clears throat> the day before she died, Helen came to see him. Practically brushed past me, she was so angry. They had this awful row. Of course, they didn't think I heard, but it was difficult not to. She was, well, threatening him, I suppose. Physically, do you mean? Oh, no, no. What she said, what I understood... She meant to expose him. Their relationship? More than that. Professionally as well. She said he had no integrity. That when it came down to it, he would never take responsibility. Take the blame. And you know what she was referring to? Was it something specific? Alan Imry. He was an anaesthetist at the hospital. He died two and a half, almost three years ago. You'll be able to find out. Delia? Yes? Thank you. You did the right thing. Did I? <laughs>
Poor sad one. Alan Imry, sir, committed suicide Christmas Day three years back. Sealed the inside of his garage door with masking tape, switched on the engine of his Volvo. Always was a reliable car. Do we know why? Depression, overwork, you know, balance of mind disturbed. No, nothing specific. Not here, not so far. I mean, nothing linking his death to salt. No, sir. OK, OK, let's ask around. We've got the contacts, so let's use them. Graham, you come with me. We'll take another crack at salt. Moving pretty well. <laughs> For a man on crutches. <laughs> well, I've seen slower in the forest front line. Oh, I, I didn't know if didn't know Cluffy was still playing. Oh, oh, that's enough of that for now. Tim, I wanted to ask you, what do you know about Alan Imry? The anaesthetist who gassed himself. Not very much. I just started. Very much the junior houseman on Bernard Salt's team. There was a lot of talk, though. Something about an operation that had gone wrong. I can't remember the details, but it was all pretty well hushed up. I do remember that. Yes, it was a gallbladder rot, mid-April sometime, eight months or so before Imri's suicide. So what went wrong? Anaesthetic failure. What's that? You got your patient going into theatre, right? They have an intravenous anaesthetic to start them off, but that's not going to be effective for more than a few minutes. After that, they're breathing in a mixture of oxygen and anaesthetic gases. These send the patient to sleep, relax the muscles, numb all sense of pain. Now, once in a while... Thankfully not often, but more so than you might like to think, the mixture goes wrong and only the muscle relaxant works. Which means the patient's lying there, unable to move, and all the while... Exactly. And they can feel everything? Not always, but sometimes, yes. The knife and everything? Yes. And, of course, they can't move. They can't scream. Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about. I guess that's why we don't if we can avoid it. Shunt it to the back of our minds. But you remember this case? The patient in question? Oh, yes. I was his primary nurse once he was back on the ward. Gallbladder operation, Mr Salt, April 17th. This is the entry from the operating theatre record, a photocopy, of course. Time operation commenced, 11.42 in the a.m., time finished. A quarter past one in the afternoon. 13.17. Helen Minton was... She in... was in the theatre, yes. And something went wrong. Yes. With the anaesthetic. Yes. One thing I'd like to be clear about. In instances such as this, even though the patient can't signal his distress, are there no other signs which might be noticed? There could be a rise in blood pressure, arrhythmia of the heart. The problem is that those are more commonly associated with other causes. There's nothing more specific, then, nothing that might be seen as a sign the patient's in all that pain. The patient might perspire to an unusual degree. And sometimes, although their eyes are taped shut, there may be tears. Whose responsibility would you say it was to observe these signs? I suppose if I had to single out one member of the team, I would have to say the anaesthetist. Not the surgeon. There was some talk of the patient suing the hospital, the health authority, whatever. Cases like this, there always is. 
And you don't know why in this case they decided not to take legal action? Not really. It could be that when it came down to it, the patient didn't want to go through it all again in court. And you can bet that all kinds of pressure were being brought to bear behind the scenes. Do you genuinely think it's going to do any good? Dredging this all up now? I don't know. Possibly not. But there are too many other things at stake. You really think there's a connection with Helen's mother? I think if people such as yourself had been forthcoming sooner, she may not have died at all. I did not lie, Inspector. You told one of my officers there was no connection between Helen Minton and yourself outside work. That was over. Done with. It seems as if she didn't agree. She was a sad, deluded woman. And you do, of course, have an alibi for the time that she was killed. Do I really need one, Inspector? Well, we'll see. Mr Ridgemount, I'm Detective Sergeant Millington. This is Detective Constable Naylor. We'd appreciate it if you'd come with us to the police station to answer some questions. What kind of questions? Is it Calvin? Has he done something? Have you arrested him? Calvin's your son, Mr Ridgemount. My son? Yes, of course he's my son. Well, it's nothing to do with him. You don't have to worry about that. It's all this business out at the hospital, isn't it? That's what this is about. Just come with us, Mr Ridgemount, if you wouldn't mind. Sarah. God, you don't give up easily, do you? Not in my nature. Look, you take as much time as you want, Arthur. All right? You tell it in your own way. I was... lying there with my eyes taped shut and I couldn't move. They had this tube clamped into my mouth, taking the air down into my lungs. And they'd said before, you know, they, they'd, they'd give me this shot to put me under. A few seconds, you won't feel a thing. Next thing you know, you'll be back in recovery and it'll be all over. Oh, sure enough, I went right out and uh, when I came to, it's, it's, it's sudden, like those nights you're so tired, your head's only just seemed to hit the pillow and you're awake again. And it's eight hours later. So I wake up and I'm thinking, what'd she say this place was called? Recovery? Okay, that's where I am. Except there's still this tape over my eyes and I work out I must still be in the theatre and they're about to wheel me out. They don't wheel me out. Nobody wheels me out. Even without being able to see, I know there's these bright lights above me, this kind of hot blur you get after you've been looking at the sun too long, and I, I, I can hear voices. Not what they're saying, not, not clear, but voices. There are people there. And so I try and speak to them, ask what they think's going on. Only there's no way I can squeeze out as much as a single word. Uh... My head's panicking and I can't move a muscle. And then I know they haven't done the bloody operation yet. They haven't started. And I'm thinking, no. No, this 
this can't be. It can't. It can't be going to happen. It can't be going to happen. And it does. It's like uh, it's like wire being pulled clear through me. Thin wire. Only it's hot. It's a piece of red hot wire, and I swear I can hear the flesh tear when he pulls it through. And all that's left for me to do is pray for it to stop. Pray to die. But I won't die. And it won't ever stop. Ever. Stop. Sure, that's all you want? Bitter lemon? I shouldn't be having anything at all. You should have gone somewhere a bit livelier, Sarah. More style. We still could. No, thanks. I'm going home to watch EastEnders. Wash out my uniform and have an early night, okay? Sure. Where are you off to now? The ladies. Is that all right? Just so long as you're not slipping out the back way. You could tell from their faces, the way they were all over me, fussing with this, fussing with that. The anaesthetist, the sister, salt himself. They knew something had gone wrong, but they never said a thing to me. Not direct, never asked. And when finally they pulled the, the tube out of my mouth, all the time I'd be wanted to scream and shout. When they did that and I could, I couldn't get a sound to come out. Later, yes, back in the ward, I, I screamed and I called them butchers and barbarians and... Then that nurse would come running and slide this needle into my arm. This'll make you comfortable, you say, take away the pain. And I'd tell him it's too late, it's too late for that. And then he'd slide the needle home. Do you want to rest, Arthur? Mm -hmm. Cup of tea? Ten minute break, maybe? No, no thanks. Uh, I'd rather carry on. Okay. Perhaps you could tell us um, how you felt after you were released from the hospital. Mm, it, it was worse. Worse as it went along. I didn't dare go to bed at night. I didn't dare lie down. As soon as I did, I'd be waiting for it, the pain to start. So if I was lucky, I fell asleep sitting up. And even then, I'd scream. My wife... At first she'd come and try to calm me down, but if she went to touch me, I'd scream all the more. Even Marjorie, my youngest, she was little then. She'd say to her mummy, Why does Daddy shout at me like that? Why won't you let me be near him? Why does he hate me? In the end, they left me. And Calvin stayed. No matter what that boy's done, I'll always love him for that. He, he, he stayed by me when nobody else would. These um, attacks on the people involved in your operation, Mr. Ridgemount, you haven't had anything to do with those? No. Though in a way I wish I had. Calvin Ridgemount, Kevin. Pick him up. Right, 
Ian, this is as far as you go. I'm cutting off down here, and you... Well, thanks for the drink. A pleasure. Oh, um, just one thing. What? Tim Fletcher. You've been looking after him, right? I, I mean, he's on your ward. What about him? No matter what you do for him, how much physio and so on, he's never going to get his mobility fully back, is he? Probably not. Why? Just interested. Bye. See you later. Tried to do a runner. The minute he cottoned on, Dipak had to shoulder charge him into a neighbour's hedge. He's not hurt. So that sir. Works out. Training gear in that black bag he had with him. That and other things. Well, you know, you tell me you found a scalpel, eh? <laughs> Almost as good. Letters written by Helen Minton the night she was killed, on her way to post them when she was attacked. Chairman of the local health authority, chief administrator at the hospital, Salt's ex-wife. Makes you wonder why he never destroyed them. Happen, we'll find out. Hello, Sarah. You said you fancied an early night. You see, the one who killed himself, Imri, he knew. He knew he had to take the blame. And when he did it, after it had been in the papers that he topped himself, my dad's pains got better. They went away. Six weeks near enough. Seven. Only then they came back worse, and I knew it was because they were still alive, the rest of them. At night sometimes dad would shout out their names. Salts especially. That's why I was saving him for last. Yeah, but why the wait then, Carly? You know, between Alan Emery taking his life and you beginning to do what you felt you had to do. I wasn't strong enough, was I? <laughs> Only a kid. I had to wait, train, get strong. And then when that Fletcher got... <laughs> just, just a moment. I knew it was the time. I knew I that just, was the it's way. It's important, Calvin. Now, let me just be clear about what you're saying here. You were responsible for the attacks on Carl Doherty and Helen Minton, but not Tim Fletcher. Is that right? Isn't that what I've just said? Carew, we want him found fast. Kevin, dip back, try where he lives. Graham, yes, student union bar, Lynn, the hospital. Now! Right. How, how did you get in? Kitchen window. Not too hot on security, are you? Silly, really. Attractive woman like you. Living alone. <laughs> oh, always oh, running out on me, Sarah. Huh? Trying to, as if you didn't know any better. And I'm sure deep down inside, you really do. Yes? One of the nurses at the hospital says she saw Carew with Sarah Leonard earlier, walking towards where she lives. Right, get there fast. I'll meet you there. Now, this better. Oh, this nice, big, unsullied bed. So much more grown-up than carpet burns on the landing floor. Oh, now, now. Why don't we stop all this stupid fighting? There! What I could never understand about Karen, how she didn't know a good thing when she felt one, dumping me for a wimp like Fletcher. Bastards! Whereas you, you're a real woman, mature. You know what's good for you. Ah! Oh, you bitch! You're blinding me! Oh. 
wait. You wait. I'm gonna kill you for that. You. Sarah, are you all right? I think so. Yeah, I am now. Carew? Pretty much unconscious by the look of it. All right, cuff him. He's got a broken nose at least. You didn't know this with your fist. No, bathroom scales. Everything under control? Ah, it is now, Graham. Haul this specimen off down the station. She's charged with assault on Fletcher. Uh, uh, well, that'll do for starters. Uh, uh, did, you, did he attack the others too? Carl and Helen? No, no. No, what Carew did was out of jealousy, ego. The others, well, I suppose you could say in some strange way, came from love. I don't understand. No. Anyway, Lynn will stay with you. Take a statement as soon as you're up to it. Make sure you're all right. Is it that easy? <laughs> no. Likely not, but after what you did, I'm sure you'll handle it better than most. All right? I'll send someone round. Fix this door. Okay, thanks. Are you all right? Uh, a lot better than I might have been. If you hadn't wielded the scales of justice, you mean. <laughs> I could put the kettle on. No, there's a bottle of gin in the cupboard. We are on the brown rice. Oh, is that instead of or as well as? Aren't you on duty? Well, as well as, then. Meantime, you'd best sit yourself down before you fall down. Once the adrenaline goes, you'll be lucky to stay on your feet. Yes, Doctor. Good result, then. Is it, Graham? Two of them, I should think. Both tied up on the same day. Carew, maybe. But the other... Who's going to understand why that youth did what he did? And the father. And who's going to wake in the night and hear him screaming? Trying to do something about the pain. Not our job, Charlie. No, maybe not. But whose is it? Hmm? That's what I'd like to know. Celebration, is it? Sort of. Right. Pork chops, kidneys, mashed potatoes, gravy. Huh. Didn't think you ate anything that don't fit between two slices of bread. <laughs> you could open the beer. Not champagne, then. All speckled in. Yeah, I popped in to see that Jane Wesley today. You know, Aloysius House. Oh, yeah. More than her work cut out, chaperone in that place of an evening. All those blokes. So I, um... Well, I thought I might start popping in there, sort of, uh, lend an end. Well, to Jane? Yeah. Anything wrong with that? No. Nothing. No, nothing at all. As long as she's happy enough about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good to get things sorted out, out in the open light. Hmm. How about you? How about me? Well, you know, you and Elaine. Gonna be seeing her again? Don't. Whatever you were gonna say, whatever promises, by morning you'd regret every word. No. No, I shouldn't think so. Yeah. Maybe it's best, you reckon? Yeah, I think so. No sense living in the past? No. None at all. When I call, you don't hear me. 
When I speak, you don't understand. When I try to explain, you just turn away. Some things don't turn out as you plan. In the third and final episode of Cutting Edge, dramatized from his own novel by John Harvey, Tom Georgeson played Charlie Resnick, Sean Baker, Millington, Kate Eaton, Lynn, Paul Baisley, Dipak, and Ben Porter, Kevin. Dennis Hawthorne played Mr. Salt, Nicholas Bolton, Carew, John Sim, Dr. Fletcher, Jenny Stoller, Elaine, and Don McCorkendale, Silver. George Parsons played Arthur, Philip Weaver, Calvin, Gillian Bevan, Sarah, Patience Tomlinson, Suzanne Olds, Adrian Scarborough, Carl, Colleen Prendergast, Debbie, and Anne Beach, Delia. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The Cutting Edge song was written by Liz Simcock, played by Trevor Watkiss, and sung by Gillian Bevan. The director was David Hunter. <laughs>